What is up, everybody? Welcome into the official Maze and Brew Hoops podcast, not to be confused with the Brewcast, which is being pushed back a day. Luke Giardi is not with us today, so I appreciate everybody coming in and listening to this podcast, the official Maze and Brew Hoops podcast for the Big Ten champion, Michigan Wolverines. That's got a nice little ring to it, doesn't it? Now, Michigan just got done playing three games over the last week. We will be discussing all of those. It is one of the strangest weeks I think I've ever had as a sports fan. A true roller coaster week that Michigan went one and two this week. There were some, unfortunately, some serious negatives and some things we will have to talk about that are really, really unfortunate, mainly an injury to uh, one of Michigan's uh, senior leaders. We will talk about all of that, uh, but let's just jump right into the first game that went down. This was, man, all the days are running together. This was on Tuesday against the current, the now third-ranked Illinois Fighting Illini. Uh, Michigan got their doors blown off in Chrysler with an opportunity to clinch uh, the outright Big Ten title. Illinois played an amazing game. And, of course, like I saw, Anthony, you posted the the Bowl uh, of Crow uh, photo on your Twitter page. And, look, I, I think you go back and listen to what we said we both said yeah, it's possible Illinois comes in there and beats Michigan. I didn't think they uh, went back. No, no, I have a tremendous amount of crow <laughs> to eat. Uh, Dude, that okay, was... maybe, maybe you do. I haven't read all the blogs, but but um, no, that was uh, that was a, <laughs> a ginormous miscalculation and uh, one of those. It was a familiar feeling in that you go in somewhat. Uh, it's good to be back with you, by the way. Sorry, it was pushed back a day. Oh yeah, no problem. you know that's how it works in the biz sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, especially this time of year, but. Yeah, um, I'll stop short of saying Icarus flew a little too close to the sun, but I think we were all kind of getting high off of our own product here, off of what uh, what we were seeing with the team. And, you know, it's it, it boils down to this. Like Michigan came out, you know, big picture in, in really two of the last three games, but, you know, more specifically on Tuesday, got punched in the mouth and just didn't – the fight – the effort wasn't there and they just, they got outplayed. It wasn't, uh, there wasn't something cosmically going wrong against them that day. They just, they got punched in the mouth and just kept taking punches and didn't counter punch, which is not really like this team. So that was, here's what sucks the most about uh, that Illinois game. And mind you, the record books say the banner will wind up saying that Michigan is the big 10 champion because they did the bare minimum last week to get that done. They just had to one, one, win one out of three games. But the thing that sucks about that game is that it, I won't say lends credence to, but it kind of make it like, it vindicates a lot of the, it seemingly vindicates from an Illinois perspective, a lot of the things they were saying and insinuating about what was going on with Michigan. Um you know, the fact of the matter is, yeah, they are they are 3-0 against Juwan Howard now. That record is what it is. You wear it. And at, coming out of that game, you're hoping that Michigan gets another shot at Illinois. Now, given recent developments, I'm not so sure how I feel about that now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it sucks that it sucks that Michigan did do the bare minimum uh, to win a Big Ten title in that all of the crap coming from Champaign uh, just – you can't really fight it. I mean, Michigan played and won the games on its schedule and you don't apologize for winning a big 10 title, but uh, it's definitely, if I had to describe Tuesday as anything and really this week as anything, uh, 
it was a sobering uh, game for Michigan basketball and it was a sobering week for the fan base. So like I said before, you know, this is more me talking big picture. We'll talk about the other games here in a bit, but um, it's not March madness until your fan base knows in the back of its head that like the, the first your season could be over. Like, you know, if Michigan's a one seed, we hope they don't get upset by a 16, but you're once you get into that tournament, your season can end at any single moment. And um, we will carry that as, as people who follow the team throughout March madness now. And it will, instead of being, you know, expecting to play for a national title, being in the final four, um, I don't know which, induces more anxiety but that's just kind of where we're at right now i'm, I'm with you i guess I, I i i knew illinois had a shot to go in there and beat michigan i did uh, my that little rant i run up went on last week had more to do with the as the word you used was the hubris coming off of that program because i it had no reflection on the job brad underwood's done or the team they have right now but it would be the equivalent of michigan uh, trying to to peacock in 2013, right? Like before they went on this run, when they had like a little bit of a little string of success, that was the, that was the problem I had. And my take that Illinois is not even in the same ballpark in terms of Michigan and what they've, that program's done over the last 10 years remains true. If they make the final four this year or win the national championship this year, all that's thrown out the window. They'll, they'll have, they'll have climbed the mountaintop and, and done what a lot of people thought they weren't, wouldn't have been able to do even a couple of years ago. No, as for the game itself, because the programs and the fan bases, you know, we could talk about that forever. I, you know, you didn't come out of it feeling happy. I also felt like Michigan played a 40-minute game in which none of their starters played well. I mean, it is stunning. I mean, just going down the list here, Livers two for seven, Dickinson one for eight. When Dickinson and Wagner are combined two for 17, come on. I mean, like, there's no chance you're winning that game. Eli Brooks was okay. I guess if, you, if, you're, if there's any sort of silver lining, he probably played the best game of anybody, the only Michigan player in double figures. No, I'm with you. And, and yeah, it was, a, it was a, a gut punch for sure. You know, what people want to say about who deserved, you know, hanging the banner and who didn't. Illinois played some really dumb, ugly basketball earlier in the Big Ten season, and that's what cost them the Big Ten title. If, you, if they want to clamor and say that it was because Michigan didn't play some games against Indiana, Penn State, Northwestern, go ahead. The fact is they went on the road against a Rutgers team who just got their teeth kicked in by Nebraska and lost. You know, they've lost – they lost some ugly games. They went to overtime with Nebraska. You know, they, they've, they've had their struggles. I think that they are a prime example of a team that plays down to their competition. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, it is in from Michigan standards – it was a tough game and I'll talk, I'll bring this up now, I guess I, you know, cause a lot of the same opinions are going to be reflected when we talk about the second Michigan state game, but everyone's been looking for a crack in Michigan's armor. What is, how do we, how do we infiltrate this Im- impenetrable wall? And for a minute there, there was the idea of, well, maybe if you shut down Dickinson, that'll work. And, and that proved to be a myth. Michigan has too many good outside shooters. You double team Dickinson, somebody else is open. Uh, it makes for a matchup nightmare. Uh, I still contend Michigan's biggest obstacle is probably themselves. And, and I'll discuss that more when we get to the second Michigan state game. But one thing I've noticed both in terms of individual effort, but also coaching as well. And Juwan's done an amazing job here, but let's, let's call it for what it is. I think that this team in game has struggled to adjust after being punched, thrown around a little bit. Now there was one game in which that the, in which there was an exception. That was the Wisconsin game. You're down by 13. 
uh, going on the road after a 23-day layoff. My defense to that is that Wisconsin – it, Wisconsin's caliber of athletes is not even close to what Michigan's is. And I think that's one of the big reasons why Michigan was able to pull away in that game. Michigan has trailed at halftime in four games this year. One of them was Oakland, and the other three were games that they lost. It, against Oakland, Juwan realized there's a 7-2 guy down on the block who nobody can guard, and it allowed them to go come back and avoid disaster in that game. In the other three, I haven't noticed a whole lot of second-half adjustments that made me say, okay, I, this is a team that's capable of, of really responding after being punched in the mouth. I, I, I saw, for the most part, the same team that we saw in the first half in all three of these losses show up again in the second half. And that's going to be something to look out for here because I've seen Beeline was able to do it. Izzo does it in a sleep. We've seen other elite coaches do it. That ability to, after playing a ugly first 20, 30 minutes, adjust and adapt and be able to tread water and, and pull one out at the end, we haven't seen that from Michigan. We've seen them play a few close games like Ohio state, but we haven't seen them kind of take that body blow and be able to respond at halftime in game and really come back. Cause they were down at nine by nine at halftime. And I was just th- saying to myself, I don't know where the offensive production is going to come from. Nobody's playing well and uh, nobody's shooting the ball. Well, nobody's driving. Everyone just feels suffocated. And my, my, unfortunately my fears were realized when we got to uh, the second half and Illinois just continued to, to lay one on Michigan. Yeah, I push back on on the idea that they don't make adjustments coming out of the locker room just a little bit because this has really been a second-half team throughout a lot of the year. Okay, um, yeah, that's true. I think that what – I called it a nitpick. I forget what Dave and what – I mean, they played three basketball games last week. So, my like, I get if they're tired because there's a mental fatigue that comes with, okay, we just did this two days ago, and, you know, in this rapid – rapid fire uh, month that is March madness. But I think the th- uh, something that kind of I'm surprised that it hasn't gotten them more is that from the moment the ball is tipped off to the under 16 timeout, this team always, they almost every game starts slow. Yeah, man. And, um, it might just be a, a thing where, you know, you, uh, you know, think of captain America's civil war, the big fight scene where it goes analyzing, uh, analyzing Steve Rogers fight pattern where you're just like figuring out what yeah. things are that first four minutes of the game. But uh, yeah, that's, I'm surprised that hasn't hurt them a little bit more um, from a bigger picture thing. Like we could go through and we could talk about all three of these games, or we could just kind of talk about the week that was in general. Um, you're the maestro. So we can, I'll take whatever direction you want to, but I think that what we've seen, and especially in two of these last three games is that the team that's wanted it more, has been the team that dives dives like in those two losses. What I saw were, was a team that wasn't getting to as many loose balls as they were before. Um, didn't just didn't like a lot of the looks offensively. And, and, you know, in Tuesday's case, like there's nothing, there was absolutely nothing redeemable to come out of that game. Um, right. Not one thing. So it's the, the concern is, so we've talked about before, what is this going to look like when this team loses or when this team isn't playing well? or when they lose a game, they lost three games now, two of the last three. And what we've seen in those games is that really it's been um, fighting yourself. Like we've said before, like it's, it's, I hesitate to call it lack of effort. Maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's just the other team wanting it more. I don't know, but it just seems like they've in the games that they've lost, they've just been a step slow. Yeah. And from the jump, really, from, I mean, honestly, from the jump, yeah. it, it's never, they haven't lost 
they haven't lost a close. I mean, yes, Sunday's game was a close game, but they haven't lost a game where it was competitive for the, you know, the entirety of the 40 minutes. So mm. um, I guess we can talk about that a little bit with the, the second Michigan state game, but yeah, like I said, I mean, it's, I, I think they're tired and I think there is a little bit of maybe frustration is not the word, but you know, they've been, this team is, Lest we forget, this team was shut down for three weeks, and I don't want to say they were—they've been running on fumes, but it took a lot of energy to to keep going and get back. And, and mm. you know, and at the end of the day, all they've really done is they've lost to the third-ranked team in the country, and they lost on the road to a rival. So maybe it's not even—and even if you go into Ken Palm and look at the analytics, like they, the the big picture profile hasn't really changed at all. So. Maybe it's just water finding its level to a certain point, but um, yeah, that, that Tuesday game. Um, yeah. That was just disheartening. And I, and I'll, I'll stop call, short of calling it a waste of time, but it just never felt like they had a shot after oh. a certain point. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah. It, it was, it was a uh, burn, burn the tape, throw it in the trash kind of game. That, that's what it was. And, and I, I do want to talk about both state games. Cause I, I, I know with them going one and two this week, it was, definitely a, a, a opportunity for a lot of people to be pessimistic, including myself. I, I throw myself in there, but a Thursday was effing awesome. Michigan with an opportunity to clinch a, an outright big 10 title. They go, go into Chrysler and they, and they run Michigan state out of the gym. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Again, a bit of an, a, an off start in those first four minutes, like you said, but after that, it was Michigan's athletes just imposing their dominance uh, Hunter Dickinson with 14 and 10 would have been better if not for a little bit of foul trouble. And it was just, yeah, it was the game I desperately wanted and hoped that they would play. Uh, Michigan state is not an untalented team, but they're a thin team. And I don't mean thin in terms of weight. I mean, thin in terms of depth, you know, after, after Aaron Henry, there's not like a, a ideal go-to score. Now you have guys who can shoot. J- Josh Langford is an excellent outside shooter. You have guys who can be good, like we know. And again, on Sunday, those guys showed how good they can be. But once I thought that the defense on Aaron Henry in the second half, especially, was phenomenal. A lot of, you know, it was a Bo Borowski called game. So there were a lot of early touch fouls. And that that favored Michigan. It did because Michigan State in the past, it's been a little bit different with this team. But for the most part, they win playing really, really physical basketball. They out-rebound, they hustle, they play defense. Uh, it was difficult for them to do that on, on Thursday. And again, you, I, I still think you play that game 10 times. Michigan probably wins nine. I mean, officiating be what it was. That Michigan played a really good game. Their star strength. <laughs> yeah, right. Their, their stars showed up and came to play. They shot the ball well, 50% from the floor, 44% from three-point range. I, I thought Mike Smith uh, played an excellent game uh, at the point. He got them started early when it seemed like they could have been in a little bit of a shooting slump. And Franz Wagner was the best player on the floor. I'm going to talk more about him in a second. And ultimately, look, they scored 69 points. Nice. And, but the, the reason they won that game was Michigan State went nine minutes in the second half without making a field goal. And, and some of those were good looks. A lot of them weren't. And I think that is, it goes back, time is a flat circle, my friend, because it goes back to our talks early in the season about how we know there's there's guys on this team that can score. We know they got shooters. We know they got guys who can drive the basket. Their ceiling will be defined by how good they play defensively. And you're going up against a rival and you hold them to nine minutes without making a, uh, making a field goal, game over right there. And, and I, I will say there was one stretch at the end of the first half 
And I'm going to be critical of this guy in a little bit, but I do want to praise him here. Michigan was up six when Dickinson picked up his second foul and went to the bench with about three, four minutes left in the first half. They pushed it to 11 and they got some really solid minutes um, in this game out of Brandon Johns because Austin Davis also had foul trouble and you went to that smaller lineup and I thought he did a good job. Six points, two for two from the floor, two for two from the line, some really good hustle minutes, the kind of performance that we, that this team can get by with, if that's the kind of Brandon Johns that we see. And then in the second half, uh, MSU was playing from behind and they're just not really built for that necessarily. You look at the games they've won uh, in recent recently against Illinois and Ohio state. They, they trailed, but they never faced big deficits. They aren't a good, they weren't, they aren't explosive enough off as an offensive unit to really be able to come back and win uh, games where they face huge deficits. And uh, Michigan clinched the big 10 championship on their home floor. It was senior night. It was an awesome moment. I went and bought the the free press and, and the news for the first time ever because I want to keep the newspaper covers for, for posterity's sake. Uh, that's that's how cool it was. So I we can't we can't ignore how electric of a moment that was in Chrysler. Obviously, you wish it would have been there would have been fans there, but you you saw even in the post game there uh, the uh, the closeness of this unit and the way that Juwan has connected with with these players that was that was a special game it was an awesome awesome moment for a team that wasn't ranked in the preseason that that in the most competitive big 10 ever where they played a, a hard schedule you know i mean people say oh well they had those three games off yet they probably would have liked to have played those three games we've talked about it they were against three bottom feeders didn't have that opportunity and they won the big 10 outright it was an awesome moment in chrysler yeah it was a lot of fun uh for those guys i know that i mean they they honored on a day where you honor nine seniors and I think five student managers and, and, you know, they dropped confetti. They, yeah. they did, they did, and they cut the nets down. They made it as much of a party as they could without having, you know, a full stadium worth of fans or a full arena worth of fans. And um, it was kind of, I don't want to say eerie, but um, it was, it was a good, like it was a good celebration for those guys. You did get the sense there was a weight off their shoulders, especially given that it was less than 48 hours after the game that preceded it. Uh, it was, it was, it was cool to see, to see them have that moment. And, it, you know, it was a big deal uh, to, to everyone who's involved in that. So, you know, to, to sell to be able to celebrate anything with how shitty this year has been. Yeah. I mean, it was, I'm sure for a lot of those guys, pretty cathartic too, especially given that the two or three weeks before then they were in their dorms working out with resistant bands, not knowing when they were going to be back on the court. So good for those guys. I mean, they, despite what anyone else says it was earned. And I have, you know, like I said, the, the three games they didn't play Indiana, Penn state, Northwestern, Michigan would have won all three of those games. So maybe that's, if that's projecting fine, uh, but Michigan took care of its business and it won a higher percentage of its games than the second place team did, despite the second place team having the head to head. So it is what it is. Uh, like I said, good moment. There's going to be a banner that goes up for it. That team has earned it. it. Anyone that wins that puts any hardware in their trophy case this year, it is earned. I don't care that it's a COVID year. I don't care that there's no fans. You persevere through this year put up, put in two trophies, put, you know, just stack the thing up, make oh. up a trophy for having survived 
you know, the craziest year that any of us will ever experience. So that was really cool for those guys. It was cool that it came against Michigan state again, uh, Michigan state's not a good basketball team, but you know, you, you take, you take care of business. It was, I believe the lowest scoring output a team has put up against Michigan this year. So they did their job defensively and they did enough offensively. There was, you know, they got rolling in the second half, but there were times where, yeah, like, again, the theme of this is tired legs being a step slow. And the officiating was, was also terrible too. When both fan bases are complaining about it, the big 10 just has a major, major issue there. But uh, yeah, yeah th- Thursday was, was cool. Good time. And, and you're, I mean, it's impossible to not be happy for every single guy in that building. This episode is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Absolutely. And, and, you know, yeah, you could say it's projecting, talking about those other games they would have played. I'm, I've seen those three teams play. They're stinking. And Indiana has, is absolutely lost, and we know how bad how poor the other two programs were this year so i think i think they would have taken care of business and i'm sorry but they played they went on the road against wisconsin beat them they went on the road against ohio state beat them they blew iowa's doors off they blew minnesota's like i don't know they they were the most impressive team in the big 10 from start to finish this year they earned that title and and another thing that is worth pointing out is that you know if you came to chrysler in 2010 the most recent banner that was actually worth something. I'm not talking about an NIT 2004 banner that's hanging up there. I mean, an actual banner that's worth something that still hangs in Chrysler. The last one was 1989, the national championship. Obviously you wish you could say the final fours. You wish you could say the 97 big 10 tournament title wasn't there. And in the last 10 years, we're talking about three big 10 regular season titles, two of them outright, two big 10 tournament titles, two final four banners. The university of Michigan program is becoming as consistent a program that there is in the big 10 outside of uh, that school in East Lansing. And that, like I said, this is not 2013 anymore. This is not some up and coming program that maybe has a shot that makes a final four and see, and we'll see if they can establish it. They've established it with two different coaches for over a decade. This has been a rock solid program and the guys who have committed to this program and have been uh been around for a long time and worked their butts off even going back to the early days of beeline like you know friend of the program Stu douglas and those guys there they are part of what uh what has become of a really solid program that for a long time nobody wanted to be a part of that for a long time people people thought was dead it is now not only alive and well but as good as almost any in the conference now that unfortunately does lead us to uh, the little shit show that we saw on Sunday. I will say up front, I do not buy 
the it's a meaningless game narrative. I get it. I understand it. One, it's a game on your schedule. You win it, period. Two. Well, it's, I, worth, it's worth saying, too, Michigan did not approach that game like that either. Maybe some I, No, things. I agree. I agree. And Juwan, I, I love the fact that Juwan is petty enough to probably come into that game and say, man, let's see if we can knock him out of the tournament. I don't think it was. It was not a preparation issue. What The issues in this game lied solely in execution. Um, but I also know if the roles were reversed and an average Michigan team was playing their last game of the year to try to get into this NCAA tournament and Michigan State had the number two team in the country, Tom Izzo would rather die than see Michigan celebrate a potential NCAA tournament bid <laughs> on their home floor. I know this to be true. I grow up around here. I'm aware of this. And as much as I love and respect the guy, I just it's why a game like that made me infurious, fractured my larynx yelling at the television yesterday. But as for the game itself, it was, it was a very poor offensive performance. There were certain things that you, you could say uh, couldn't control. For instance, I've watched MSU every game this year. Joey Hauser has been as lost, and Rocket Watts, have been as lost as any players I've seen in the conference this year played out of their minds, reached their ceiling, full potential at the most opportune time for them, played great games. Big 10 road syndrome, sure, fine. I, and MSU went out and took it, I think Michigan's lack of movement on the offensive end, and I'm going to focus in on one player here in a second, but I will give you a, a chance to speak, was at points atrocious. And, and the point that you made of, of a certain teams wanting it more when you talked about the Illinois game, I saw that here because I think Michigan defensively this year has done a great job of fighting through screens, of battling, of switching. I think for the first time this year, I saw a bit of a communication problem and you saw Wagner yelling at people on the floor and, you know, he always does that, but it seemed like in general, there was kind of some, some communication issues in the second half. MSU was getting in the lane way too often. They were far and away the more aggressive team. They shot 12 more free throws. Obviously a lot of those near the end when Michigan was fouling, but Michigan clanked the front end of two one and ones. It was a, it was a poorly executed game and a game they should have won and a game they should have played a lot better. And uh, I found it to be, I found it to be more frustrating than Illinois because Illinois was a, you know, again, a burn the tape, throw it in the garbage uh, performance. You had another opportunity at home to try to clinch a share of the big 10 title. Uh, I think uh, th this one really frustrated me and I think it could lead. And we'll talk about the injury, especially to maybe some long-term issues. So yeah, it, uh, it bothered me more than it will probably bother other people. And there are of course, personal reasons for that, but I was uh, as disappointed as I've been with them in any game this year. Yeah, Sunday was really the first game where I'm like, guys, come on, come on. Yeah. Really? Because the Minnesota game, like, we, again, what's the recurring theme here? Minnesota, you don't have Eli Brooks. You play like crap. You lose because um, you didn't have time to prepare for that. Illinois, you get punched in the mouth. And that was – even that frustrates me because knowing what had been said and how this team has really internalized a lot of – what the narrative has been about them uh, to come out as flat as they did in that game on a night where it's the best team you've played all season. You had a chance to clinch a banner to come out like that. Quite frankly is, you know, it's called it what it is. It's unacceptable. Um, yeah. And they know uh, that they know that they know yeah. that, which is why they were, they didn't let one game, a one game problem turn into the second game problem right. on a turnaround. I mean, they didn't play great on Thursday. They, they did enough to beat a team they're much better than. 
but they were able to rebound and get a win. And then that's, that's why this time of year, you know, the quick turnaround that the next day provides is, you know, that that's good experience for them. But uh, that game against Michigan state, like, I don't know, just again, a step slow to everything losing Eli Brooks. And we'll talk about that in more detail here soon. Um, that's just not something they're prepared for because they're not, you lose Eli Brooks and you have Mike Smith and Zeb Jackson. Like that's basically what it is because you're not, you're not going to the 11th or 12th guy on the bench in Adrian Nunez for minutes. You might, maybe you switch things around. You, you need Shondi to Shondi Brown to play more. You need Franz Wagner to play more or play better. And Franz wasn't good on Sunday. Um, yeah, I'll talk oh, about no, that in a second. I mean, it was, he came on late, which might be, you know, good that, you know, he's still, there's still something there, but then at the end of the game, like, I'm not going to say this game on Sunday didn't matter, but the biggest thing was not going to be the game result. It was going to be maintaining the health of your roster. And I'm not, that's not me arguing. They should have sat anyone. That's not how this isn't, you know, this isn't week 17 in the NFL. Like these, that game is still important. Um, Cause now if you, if you lose, let's just say you lose Friday to either Michigan state or Maryland. Again, you're probably looking at being off the one, the one seed line. So it's not like Sunday's game was, was inconsequential, but you know, to, to lose a guy like Brooks to the injury, I mean, it's a, it's a left ankle, left foot injury, still don't have much of an update on it. You, of all the guys on this team that Michigan can ill afford to lose, he, he probably ranks pretty highly on that list. Um, clearly, because they look like a totally different team without him. Um, the encouraging thing was that the defense did not fall apart without him on the floor, but offensively, I mean, man, the ball seemed like balls, the ball stuck a little more that the movement wasn't great. Uh, and again, what we've seen with this team a lot is the lack of repeatable mistakes that snowball. So assuming that, I mean, the guy was in a walking boot on Sunday and he was carried off the floor. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and assume he's probably out at least a week. That's just speculation, but I wouldn't be playing him in the big 10 tournament. Um, you know, you have much bigger goals than, than what that tournament is now. Um, but I, I do think that it can be, I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise, but the biggest, you know, when you, when a game that happens on Sunday, that was as poorly played as it was, you're just looking for anything to take out of it. Now, the Illinois game didn't provide that, but I think one of my biggest takeaways is that I think with some extended run, Zeb Jackson is playable. You know I'd what? Like I'd yeah, like that's to- a good point, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, and I, I mean to cut you off, but that I was thinking that too. Cause when he came in, you were thinking they're going to go at him. They're going to attack him on the defensive end. He's going to turn the ball over. You know what? For the five or so minutes that they're going to need out of him, that's acceptable. They don't need him right now. Next year will be a different story, but they don't need him right now to be shooting four or five threes and, and they need him two or three of them to go in. Uh, if he is, and this is one of the most overused terms in sports, but he, if he is a game manager as a backup point there, serviceable uh, for, for the limited amount of action. Now, it will, it will also require several other guys stepping up, obviously, uh, and that's, that's where some frustration lies. Obviously, look, your heart breaks for Eli Brooks. I, I mean, in, with, and I, I felt this way on senior night, seeing those guys come off the floor because oh, – sorry. 
uh, because in the with the sorry, wow, I'm I'm my apologies. Uh, with the influx of talent that Juwan has coming into this program over the next couple of years, the days of an Eli Brooks or an Isaiah Livers is we may not have a lot more of those guys. And you're talking about a guy who's played for two different coaches, who's worked his butt off, and and I think Livers is the leader of this team. I think you could argue Chandy might be the vocal leader, but they they run best when Eli Brooks is on the floor. And the guys, we guys worked his ass off over the last several seasons, and um, you, you know you feel awful for him. Who's I, like, I, think about him? Who's whose narrative in the last four years has changed more than his? Yeah, started a couple games at point guard when he was a freshman, but was I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, he didn't play well. He was an afterthought as a sophomore. Um, and this isn't a slight on the previous staff, but Juwan Howard comes in. He plays more off the ball. He starts the two and becomes, if not the best on-ball defender in, in the Big Ten, in the top three, top four. Yeah. Um, his career trajectory has been incredible. And you know there are probably guys, like, you can't, the guy this team most can't afford to lose is probably Hunter Dickinson. From there, it goes... You know, you're talking livers and then Mike Smith, and you can make it a case for any of those guys. But what we've seen when Eli Brooks isn't on the floor is is not a team that, God, I mean, if the matchup isn't right, you, you know, it, it's it's possible they couldn't make it out of the first weekend of the tournament. Yeah, yeah. So that's, it cannot be overstated enough how important he is to this team, despite, you know, he's not the guy that's going to go out and get you 15, 16 a night, but... You know, he does a lot of, and this is a cliche too, but you know, this is where cliches are true. A lot of the time he does a lot of things that don't show up in the box score. Yeah. And the, the solace you take in all of this is that they don't play until Friday. Now they have time to, like I said, it's going to be more run for Shawnee Brown. It's going to be more run for Zeb Jackson. He, you know, if Franz Wagner plays the way that he did on Sunday for most of the game, it doesn't matter anyways. Um mm-hmm. But and then maybe Columbia Mike Smith, we saw a little bit of him make an appearance on Sunday. Maybe he has to be a little more aggressive. He's done a really good job of taking what these games give to him. So I think I think they can survive this. Um, maybe not survive it in terms of if it if it's going to be, hey, we just need to claw through the first weekend of the NCAA tournament without Eli Brooks. I think it's possible they could do that. And that's where Friday's game will kind of be kind of be a pretty good barometer for that in that, you know, in any other league, you know, Michigan state Maryland is, are probably fighting for like, well, I, I, I can put this a better way. If you're Michigan, you get through that first game of the NCAA tournament as a one seed, you're going to play the eight, nine. I think what you see out of Maryland and Michigan state is probably pretty comparable to what you would see in an eight, nine matchup in the mm-hmm. tournament. So that's where Friday's game, I think, is um, is massive mm-hmm. in that regard. It's a big test for them, and like I, I think, I think they have the depth to absorb this. Um, now, does that mean I think they can win the Big Ten tournament? Probably not. Um, we'll see. I, I'd love to be proven wrong there. Like if you run into Illinois again without Eli Brooks and. and Io Dasunmu does play in that game. Mm-hmm. Not feeling super great about that, right. but uh, I think that again, it, it's it's totally null and void until we know what the severity of this injury is uh, for Eli Brooks, and, and also 
Franz Wagner got hurt at the end of that game too. He was limping around a little bit as well. And we don't know anything about that either. So man, it's almost just like, I don't even care about the big 10 tournament lose Friday, whatever fall to a two seed, like just be as healthy as you possibly can going into next week, because the one seed, two seed, whatever it is, we know that this team at its best and at, at you know, close to full health, they're, they are, they are still a contender. They still can win it all. I think they're deep enough. They're well-coached enough. They do enough things well where I'm still confident about that, but you know, without Eli Brooks, it's sketchy. And without Franz Wagner, it's, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at potential uh, DEFCON. Yeah. Infinity. You're, look, you're looking at li- almost not, not intentionally, but basically punting the big 10 tournament just to get everybody healthy again. I mean, really, um, yeah. If you win a game, so be it. I mean, it'd be a pretty remarkable effort. But and with that said, I haven't heard much about the Franz injury. I mean, I know it happened at the very end. Um, he he was my biggest disappointment yesterday. Like he's like I I I love Franz Wagner. I love the Wagner family. Like when we talk about Michigan men, which is you know as overused a phrase as there is. Like the Wagner family is Michigan basketball royalty at this point. They have made the Michigan basketball program, a more fun, cooler place to be. They've been so great, but I've talked so much about his upside, Franz's upside. And you know, when he, this Michigan won this game, cause he was the best player on the floor. I will tell you right now, if Franz Wagner plays and scores 15 or more points in every game, the rest of the way and Michigan were to lose one of those games, you know what? Then it's a tip your cap. There's nothing you could do about it, but he basically took, and I hate to be this harsh cause I love the guy, but he took about 37 minutes off yesterday until we got to the latter stages of that game. And you saw just in that small sample size there at the end, how, how much more the open the offense is when he's doing his thing. Hunter Dickinson played his best basketball in the final three minutes yesterday because Franz Wagner was slashing. Franz Wagner was driving. Franz Wagner was driving and kicking it to Hunter Dickinson. He got two and ones, converted one, missed, I believe missed the other. You know, made some big plays there near the end, hit a three. And when they were kind of neck and neck with Michigan State in the first 10 minutes of the their first meeting, it was because Franz seemed a little bit lethargic. Came out in the second half, started hitting threes, started driving and opened up opportunities for other guys. It is time for Franz Wagner because I am certain this is going to be his his swan song here in a Michigan uniform pending an insane miracle. And this will probably be it for him at Michigan. It is time for him to, and I think he's capable of doing this, which is why I'm, I'm pressing on it, to be not just the player on the floor with the highest upside, not just the player on the floor who's going to get taken highest in the draft, the player on the floor who's the best player on the floor because he was on Thursday against Michigan State. Did a great job on Henry. Henry missed his last six shots. Did a great job scoring the ball in the second half. We have seen against Rutgers and against other teams, Indiana, Iowa, take your pick. When he is driving, when he's doing his thing, this team, even without a healthy Eli Brooks, could be borderline unstoppable. You know, we've talked so much about the depth and how this team has so many scores, and that's all true. But you get into the NCAA tournament, often you need that one guy. And I think he has the highest capability of being that one guy. And I don't I don't want to see him put up another performance like what he did yesterday. He's too talented a player to be – he hasn't been that inconsistent necessarily, but like I said, to be as lethargic as he is for long stretches of time. Yeah, and, and I don't want to – 
compare him to his brother, but I just want to go through really quickly in terms of like offensive performances, what his brother did in his last, yeah, um, you know, whatever it was, Big Ten tournament, uh, NCAA tournament. Mo goes for 11, 20, 15, 17, five in that first round game against Montana, which was a slog. Yeah. Uh, 12, 21, 24, 16. So not to compare like brothers or careers, but like Mo, Mo was Mo did his job um, in or out to that national title game. And that's, I think why he has, you know, even with everything he did, we look back on his time at Michigan. It's like, it's, there were the Trey Burke Wolverines and then there were the, the yep. Mo Wagner Wolverines. This is, this is a legacy stretch for him because like I said, I, I do think that he is, I think he, he is, uh, does have lottery pick potential. I think we've seen that in a couple of these games over the last couple of weeks. I mean, when he's the best, like there are times where he's just the best player on the floor and nobody can guard him. Nobody can, can match his length and his athleticism. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be like the next, you know, you know, the next great NBA wing or anything like that. But this is a guy who, given his skill set, he's more skilled than his brother was. And I think he has a little bit more potential to maybe take over a game too. I do too. Different, different positions. But, you know, if Michigan's going to make a run, like first and foremost, they need him to be healthy. But again, like he right. is the key to everything. I mean, it's, it's him and livers. Those are, that's the, that's what makes this, this ship run. And on any given night, a couple of those guys, one of those guys can have a little bit of an off night because the mass suggests that you're going to get those big performances elsewhere. Um, but I really think it just like, and, and let me say this, he's still, we say he coasts, but he still brings it defensively. Like That's I'm not true. questioning He is that a at top all. five defender in the country. That is a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he, it's not like he's, it's not like when you play 2k and put the controller down to like, go put nachos in the microwave where the guy's just standing there on right. like, he's active and gets after it on the end of the floor, but Michigan needs him to be a slasher. And, and if, if teams are going to collapse on him, you kick it out. It's, 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 it seems simple, but that's kind of what the recipe has been when this team has been firing in all cylinders. So yeah, Franz, his health is, is key. Like the ceiling, like, like the upside that he brings on its own might be able to offset the Eli Brooks thing a little bit. Mm -hmm. But like I said, um, I just think in general, as we kind of sort of wind down here, what we saw this week in that two of those games, like we haven't even touched on this yet. Michigan was out rebounded in both of those games. Yeah. And Badly. it was a little more apparent in that Illinois game because you're playing against Kofi Coburn, who's a monster and, you know, probably a first team, all big 10 center uh, when it's all said and done, those awards will be announced on Tuesday. Um, I can, I can accept that in a vacuum, but I don't think Michigan state has a guy over six, eight or six, nine. I think they have one. It might be Bingham. I'm not sure, Yeah. but uh, and, have, and so, I think Sissoko, but Sissoko never plays. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's like a six, nine guy or something, but like yeah. Hunter Dickinson's seven foot two and, and right. Austin Davis is I think six eleven, and Brandon Johns is up there. Like they, when I see Michigan gets out rebounded to me, that is an effort thing to me because they have the size to do that. So uh, those are the, like, those are the concerns going into, going into 
again, even less, it's less about the big, like, I know we have fond memories of, of big 10 tournament run and like, I'm not advocating for them to flame out and, and tank and just get mm-hmm. to next weekend healthy. Because I think if you get into the habit of taking your foot off the gas in this sport, in this month, it's just a recipe for disaster. So, yeah. you know, you'd love to see them win. And, and I can, I think they still can make a run without Eli Brooks, but I, I'm not, Short of a rematch with Illinois, which I believe like that would put you in the finals. Um, There's not really anything that could happen that could get me all fired up about this weekend and what's coming up. It's all about like, to me, we're all holding our breath until we find out what's going on with Eli Brooks and to a lesser extent, what's going on. Not a lesser, but I don't, I I think Franz is going to be okay. Yeah. The health of this team is I think the biggest thing. Yeah. I'm with you. And, and, and I guess when I said lethargic regarding Franz, I, I guess because you're right, he's so good defensively. So it's not like I, I, I would never say that he's lacking in effort ever. I don't think there's anyone no. on this team who's done that at any point this year. I think that's one big. There's a difference between lacking effort and lacking like ag- aggression. Is that the way yeah. to put well, it? Well, that's the thing I was going to say. I think if there's any player, and this is weird, if there's any player who might benefit from being a little bit more selfish with the ball, mm-hmm. it might be Franz Vogt. Just because I, I think. I see those moments where he, I could see him taking a guy one-on-one and instead he's, you know, he's, he's kicking it back out to the wing or, or getting it downloaded Dickinson for the upteenth time. And look throughout the season that's worked, but the deeper this thing goes, you're going to be playing some, you're not Michigan will not play a bad team the rest of the way. They won't. And, and you know, that, that stuff can work and, and Dickinson can dominate down low against teams with inferior size, but you know, you're, you might play in Illinois again, or you might play in Ohio state again, teams with more size and, I think he's going to have to kind of be the guy, you know, look, it's, it was a disheartening week, mainly because of health. I mean, really, because, and, and, and because of the fact that you, you're starting to see some other big 10 teams play some really good basketball again. Um, Illinois is, it's weird how this works because Illinois began the year as the odds on favorite and then stumbled. And now I think has kind of found their way back to being uh, the, the favorite in the, in the big 10 to probably make a deep run we're seeing who's who's contenders and who's pretenders right now. Uh, Illinois is playing great. Iowa as, as critical as we are of them is playing excellent. And we're seeing other teams like Wisconsin and Ohio state start to slide a, a little bit And Michigan state it's March, you know, it's starting to rise a little bit. I still don't think their ceiling is very high, but they're playing their best basketball of the year. It's, it's going to be a difficult time. And Anthony, you, you brought it up last week on the brewcast that at some point there was going to be a defining moment. And if there's one team that I can see being galvanized uh, by the fact that they've lost one of their senior leaders for an extended period of time. It could be this team. Uh, I, I think they, they have the depth to be able to do it. It will take guys stepping up for sure, but um, guys have stepped up all year. They, they guys stepped up as the re- guys stepping up is the reason why this team is big 10 champion is the reason why they're hanging a banner. And, and I, I will continue to believe in them uh, despite how much, uh, how much they may have to put their backs against the wall here going forward. So I, and that will, that will do it for uh, t- today's uh, sh- sorry. I was reading your, the thing you wrote in the, 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 uh, the uh, Twitch chat um, that will do it for uh, today's show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani 2014 uh, kind kind of pseudo back a little bit, I guess. Sure. And uh, you know, I follow Maze and Brew on all platforms at Maze and Brew on Twitter. Rate us, review us on iTunes. Let you know what you think of the product. Got some really fun stuff coming down the pike here soon. We'll be back tomorrow with the Brewcast. Anthony, where can we find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, follow the website on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Wherever where you get your podcast, we're fixed on Google Podcasts now, so that should be sorted out. Thank you for your patience there. I know it was a pretty long uh, issue to deal with. Again, it's above my head. But uh, yeah, uh, as far as Brewcast, I mean, I'm, I'm not breaking news here or anything, but I'm thinking the next time we chat will probably be like a Big Ten tournament preview. I'd love to okay. go through. Um, you know, we've done that, but that's kind of been a, tr- a staple of us where we've gone through and made predictions and things like that. But we might get some Eli Brooks news at some point this week. So um, I would assume in the next day or so. But what do I know? I'm only on the Zoom calls and things like that. But um, yeah, so appreciate your guys' uh, time. Um, Michigan is still the regular season Big Ten champion. They're still one of the four best teams in college basketball. Now, um, God has bled a little bit here. So mm-hmm. how uh, how do you respond to that? And, and it seems like a lot of these Michigan teams have had kind of these moments of, of doubt before they've made deep runs. So this will either be something that galvanizes them or, uh, you know, maybe next weekend we're, we're doing shows we don't want to do. I don't know. But uh, thanks. We're just keep enjoying the ride. It has been a fun ride you're going to lose basketball games. It happens. So get it out of the way now. Um, Figure it out for March. I think this team has the goods to do it. Yep. Uh, Well, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Be back here with the Brewcast tomorrow. Have a good one. Go Blue.